Ladies and gentlemen, men and women, children of all ages, you're about to experience the opportunity to get in on the conversation. So do me a favor, join the conversation as you're about to step into the world of conversations about dot, dot, dot. I hope you enjoy. And hello. Thank you, first of all, for coming back for episode three of Conversations About Dot, Dot, Dot. I greatly appreciate it. This is a solo episode, which means it's just going to be me. You're just going to get to hear my velvety voice on here, all in its lonesome. Um, the Rasco Brothers and I have been discussing things, so it looks like for a while we're going to be working on this together. But I did advise them that every so often... If a certain trailer type comes out or something like that, or I watch a really cool movie or something like that, then I'm going to talk about it myself with you guys. So I'm going to share that with you and continue the conversation. So anyway, I wanted to take this first segment and really talk about Wonder Woman, the Wonder Woman 84 trailer that came out this week. I believe it came out on Sunday. And so I wanted to kind of share my thoughts on that trailer with you. And so, here we go. The Wonder Woman 84 trailer really starts off in an interesting way. You know, she kind of comes home from the world of crime fighting, you know, or something. We're not sure what she's coming home for. And she, come home, she comes home to the Trevor Ranch. Um, I'm thinking it's named after Steve Trevor. You know, she's in full outfit. You know, she's coming home and it's kind of her getaway. You see a picture of him. You see the watch that he gave her and everything. And the next thing you know, you see her talking with Kristen Wiig, who is playing the character Barbara Minerva, who will eventually become the cheetah. Um, I know I've heard in interviews uh, with the lady, with uh, Patty, uh, Patty Jenkins, the lady that directed uh, the first Wonder Woman movie. And she's talking about the fact that, yes, we're going to see Kristen Wiig as the cheetah. She will actually be transformed as the cheetah at some point. Of course, a lot of pictures so far, you know, you see her kind of as her geeky self. You see her dressed as a more confident version of herself, but you don't see her as a cheetah. And it makes sense if you're doing a movie, I believe, in March 2020, you know, you don't have to give everything away right off the bat. So I'm kind of glad they're not giving us the cheetah right now. I'm kind of glad we're getting a uh, what what you know we're kind of getting the beginnings of what she may when she starts off looking like it and we may not see what she ends up becoming till closer to the actual movie dropping we may not get that into like trailer two or trailer three or the final trailer or here's my hope we don't get it at all we are surprised in a movie to see something we haven't seen in a trailer there's an idea so anyway, so of course, you know, she comes in, she's, you know, from from whatever she's doing, she's talking with um, Barbara Minerva. And it's interesting because there's kind of this point where you see, you know, Barbara's asking Diana, because of course she's assumed the role of Diana Prince in the movie. And so she says, you know, well, have you ever fallen in love? And she's like, yes, a long time ago. What about you? And she's like, oh, I fall in love all the time. Now, here's the thing. Watch, watch the reaction of our star. Um, 
Gal Gadot has this interesting thing about facial expression. And it's really interesting because she kind of plays it off as, I really don't get what you're saying, but I'm just going to sit here and smile and pretend like it's important. Not really pretend like it's important, but she doesn't understand, like, the subtlety of the way Kristen Wiig says, yeah, I fall in love all the time. She's not saying it as a brag. She's saying it as a, oh yeah, I kind of I kind of pick bad situations. Then she follows it up with, you know, yeah, I kind of have bad luck when it comes to relationships. And it's like, Diana doesn't get that because, of course, in her mind, she's really only had one relationship. So she doesn't really understand what that's like to be in and out of relationships. So it's interesting. There are some subtle things I loved in the trailer. I loved watching in the trailer. Um, you know, then you go in and there's a scene where, and I'm just kind of talking. I'm not, this is not direct bit for bit reaction. So there's a moment where she's in a mall. You know, and that mall has a very 80s feel to it. You know, she she goes in and she's, you know, it, it reminds me, actually it's funny, it reminds me of the mall and Stranger Things. Um, and don't worry, Stranger Things is going to come up again in this episode. So anyway, it, comes up, it has that mall, that old 80s mall feel. It has a wall and books in it, which wall and books, for those of you who may not know, was kind of a precursor to Barnes & Noble. For a long time, Walden Books was a bookstore that was in a lot of your malls in the 80s. And it was a great bookstore because I personally went in there a lot because they had a lot of good comics and trade paperbacks. So anyway, this shit, it, it, it just, man, it was just really cool. It kind of took you back. And I, I think I saw like an Orange Julius display in there, maybe a Dippin' Dots display. I think I saw something like a Radio Shack in there. So a lot of these businesses that are no longer with us <laughs> were all around that mall. And I don't know how they got the licensing for it, but, you know, hey, Hollywood, you can do things. So anyway, they're in a mall. There are these two guys. You know, everybody's running out of the mall. Cops are showing up. There are these two guys with guns. One woman comes up. She kind of crushes the guns. She kind of, like, picks the arms up, crushes the guns in her hand. Just powerful demonstration. And then, um, you know, she's running around the mall. And if you remember in the first Wonder Woman movie, there's a point where she's kind of like, I don't want people to know I'm out there. So I'm not for sure if maybe the reason why she did this was to kind of keep herself a secret as much as she could. But when you get this trailer later on, it's like, there's no way she's going to be a secret forever. Like People are going to know who she is. Uh, but she takes her tiara and she throws it around the mall and not takes out all the security cameras. And then kind of runs around and does this really cool slide run around a corner, which I'm like, okay, well, first of all, how are you sliding in the in, a, in an arc <laughs> uh, in metal boots and by the way metal boots speaking of which um, I know there's a lot of controversy right now because people are saying well Wonder Woman's wearing metal boots with no socks how does that make sense she's a goddess y'all <laughs> uh, she can do things that normal people don't I would never want to wear shoes without socks much less metal, metal boots but that's sad point so anyway then there's this point you know as the commercial's going you start hearing Maxwell Lord um, and Maxwell Lord is on the TV. He's doing the infomercial circuit. And he's basically saying, don't you want to get everything you want? Don't you feel like you deserve everything you want? Which is a very big 80s idea. The concept of you can, you know, if you dream it, you can achieve it type thing. You know, and, and so he's talking about getting everything you want. But then after the mall fight, you see Barbara Minerva, in Diana's house, looking at the looking at the picture of Steve Trevor, 
and then the watch starts vibrating a little bit, starts moving. And and then you hear this voiceover, don't you want to get everything you want? So it kind of implies that possibly Barbara wants Diana's life. She wants to she wants that beauty, she wants that grace because uh Diana always walks with a point with with some poise and she's very uh very cast in the movie is very beautiful and very attractive and just model-esque if you will and Kristen Wiig definitely is not that version of herself and so you know it's kind of the idea that maybe she wants what Diana has and so you know then there's a point where we see Steve Trevor now for those of you who may have not watched the first Wonder Woman movie Steve Trevor died in the last little bit of the Wonder Woman movie so of course the big question is how is he back uh is it a, an illusion? You know, Patty Jenkins said, they said in an interview, it's not an illusion. He's been brought back. The way he's been brought back makes sense with the story. Um, and that's all we know on that. And then, you know, we get to the point, we fast forward through and Maxwell Lords, we find out has some sort of satellite that's going to communicate this message. And he has a thing called a wishing stone. Now, I'm not sure where he gets it from, but he has this thing basically kind of fits in with the whole idea of getting what you want, right? And so, Near the end of the movie, you see Wonder Woman fighting, and he she has a suit from like Kingdom Come on. It's the golden eagle suit with the wings and all that. It's just beautiful, just awesome looking suit. And the one thing I gotta say about this trailer before I finish this up, there is a point in the trailer where she's kind of in a bank again, and there are these guys and they're like shooting and stuff. She's like deflecting the bullets, and there's a fight later on where she's got her lasso and she's lasso whipping people. <laughs> And there's a point where she unchambers a gun and like a bullet comes flying out and she just hits it with a bracelet. I'm like, who died? Okay, that's what I want to know. Who died in that situation? Because I promise you, if one woman hits a bullet, somebody's dying. Unless she hits it into a wall or something. We may find out she deflected it into a wall so no one got hurt. But anyway, so those are my thoughts on the one Woman trailer. Uh, how do you feel about the Woman's Woman trailer? Do you like Wonder Woman 84 so far with what little bit you've seen? How do you feel about it? Um, would like to hear your feedback on that. So anyway, we're going to roll out into commercial and then we're going to come back in with segment two. And we're back for segment two. Now, segment two is going to be about the Ghostbusters trailer that came out this week as well. And I think I've got to talk a little bit about my love for Ghostbusters first. So growing up, I believe it's 84 was when they were the one dropped. And so Ghostbusters for me was that interesting movie about, you know, it was everything I kind of loved. It was like big city, bright lights, ghost, supernatural stuff. But it was also a comedy and so you had like Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, who I remembered from Saturday Night Live. Uh, you had uh, Mr. Reichman, who I can't think of his first name. I know his son is Jason Reichman, and Jason is the guy that's writing this movie. And so, or has written this movie, rather, and everything. And so he's the guy behind it. And so then, of course, you had Ernie Hudson, who played uh, his character. And, and oh my gosh. Um, the movie itself, I loved it. You know, Sigourney Weaver, Rick Moranis as well, you know, were in it. They were great in the movie. And 
So the, the sequel came out. It wasn't as good to me, but I appreciated it because it was tied to the first one. And so, you know, it's kind of years after they had gone in and done their first ghost busting and people believed in ghosts and more importantly, people believed in them. And so, you know, you, you of course, you had the 2016 um, Ghostbusters movie. And so you had a lot of detractors for it. You had people that were going out there saying some really ugly stuff about this. And they were just like, it, it, for them, it had a lot to do with the fact that, oh, they're women. And it's like, no, for me, it was, are these women funny? Is this story going to, is this going to tie to the original property? Is the script good? You know, are people going to be able to deliver their lives? Well, this is going to be a good movie. And I saw the movie, and to me, it wasn't a good movie. Um, and it had nothing to do with me being a guy. It had nothing to do with me being female. It had everything to do with the movie wasn't written well to me. A lot of the jokes didn't land for me. Uh, a lot of the ideas didn't land for me. It felt like they were literally trying to do their own thing separate from the original property. And so I kind of had a problem with that. So now we got this trailer. So that's what I'm going to talk about. So we have the beginnings of this scene. It's like a small town somewhere. And, you know, you've got uh, Finn Wolfhart, his sister, you know, and Finn Wolfhart, you know, is from Stranger Things. Of course, it, it, that's influence of Stranger Things. Uh, I heard one thought on it. Somebody else thought about the trailer. They made the comment. They said, you know, it feels like Stranger Things is into it so much that everybody's trying to find a way to capture that feel in their movies. And so, you know, whether it's Wonder Woman, for example, with the way the mall looks and that the mall looks very similar to the mall of Stranger Things or, you know, now we've got Ghostbusters, you know, and there's also references, of course, to It, Chapter 1 and Chapter 2, because, of course, Finn Welfare's not only in that, but again, it feels that kind of stand-by-me Goonies feel. And so there's a lot of nostalgia going on. But anyway, so the trailer's going on, you know, Finn and his sister, I'm just going to say Finn and his sister, uh, because I don't know what the character's name is, because this is just a mini trailer. And so you had this moment where they're out and about hanging out with people, and you know, they're out at what looks like uh, a well of some kind, either a coal mining drop area or a well type drop area, probably more like a coal mining, some sort of caving thing. And so they're all there, and then all of a sudden, this green energy comes flying out of it. The area starts shaking like an earthquake. Well, Paul Rudd shows up. Paul Rudd's a teacher at the school. You know, of course, Finn and his sister are um, hanging around. There's at least one other kid that's involved. And then you start, you know, he's talking about the fact that, you know, in a town it's, that doesn't even do loud music, you know, very much, much less than sitting on a tectonic plate or anything like that. And it's like, these things are happening. And I don't know why they're happening. So then, you know, all of a sudden you see the, the sister you know, she's at their new place because apparently there's a scene in there where the mom gets kicked out of her current place. So they end up moving to what appears to be their grandpa's house. And so next thing you know, she starts sliding these uh, panels around on the floor. She goes downstairs. When she goes downstairs, she sees the old uh, Ghostbuster Ectopack. She has a, a EKG meter. You know, she sees the suits. And the suit, the first suit on that with the name on it says Spangler. So of course, we find out that her granddad and his granddad, Finn's granddad, are Egon. So it's really kind of interesting how they kind of tie it back to that. And then you know, Finn in the process of things, you know, they're talking about at school, and she brings the ghost trap to school with her. 
And so then Paul Rudd is looking at it going, well, you know, hey, this looks really, this looks like a good, uh, good um, mock-up of it. And she's like, it's not a mock-up. And when he starts playing with it, he starts realizing it may actually be a real ghost trap. And so they start putting two and two together. But let's say, you know, you see Finn, he's driving the Ecto-1 out of a cornfield, it looks like, or some sort of field, you know, and everything. And so it starts up. Of course, the tires are balling. It's, it's been sitting in a garage for a long time, you can tell. And so I really love that kind of detail to it. Like, you know, no one kept up with it. So like the tires are barely hanging on. The vehicle kind of drives horribly. The suspension, you can tell the suspension is probably off uh, as they're driving around town. Next thing you know, they're, they're chasing a ghost around the town. And at one point, the sister gets pops out the side and she's like, wait, there's a there's a gutter seat. And that's real cool because I remember the toy for the Ecto-1, for the cartoon, um, and it had a gutter seat that popped out the side. And so it's kind of reminiscent also of the Ninja Turtles van that had the gutter seat pop out of the side as well. So it was something that was big and kids' toy vehicles uh, were gutter seats. And so it's interesting that they incorporated that into Ecto-1. Because I don't believe the gutter seat... the gutter, I don't believe the gutter seat was in the original movies. But anyway, so they go through the whole thing. They're chasing what appears to be Slimer. And I know a lot of people have been really critical about the fact that like, oh my gosh, these effects look worse than the effects that were done back in the 80s. I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're not finished effects. Because uh, the first couple of times I saw the trailer, to be honest, I didn't realize they were chasing a ghost. Because I couldn't see it until I sat down and really slowed it down a little bit. I was like, okay, yeah, that's supposed to be Slimer. And that's what they're chasing after. So that's why they're shooting all this stuff. But anyway, that's kind of the goal. That's kind of the thing. So they go through this whole deal. Um, I don't even think they're all wearing the suits. You know, they're kind of just going around shooting it and shooting it. And of course, you know, kind of, then you get the moment where Paul Rudd is in his car and a terror dog shows up for the original movie. And I, I'm curious as to how they're going to tie it in. Like, of course, there's a moment where he's showing them the found footage from back when the Ghostbusters were originally doing back in the 80s. And so, you know, you get to see that correlation. And so I hope that we get, I know they confirmed Bill Murray, they've confirmed Sigourney Weaver, they've confirmed uh, Ernie Hudson and they've confirmed um, Dan Aykroyd. Uh, it'd be nice to see them get as many other people back as they could. Like, I'd love to see Rick Moranis in there at some point. That'd be cool. You know, from Honey, I Shrunk the Kids fame and Ghostbusters and Spaceballs. So there's another Rick Moranis thing that I loved. And anyway, so that's that's really where that trailer kind of ends. It kind of ends with this, you know, Ghostbusters, you know, Afterlife, which that's the name of the actual movie is Ghostbusters Afterlife. So I'm hoping that they really tie it into the original group. I really hope that we see a moment where maybe the kids end up in New York. Uh, I've not heard if Annie Potts is going to be in the movie, which I know she played uh, Janine. And so I think it'd be cool if maybe she was the one that discovered these kids, you know, and it brings them to the other guys. And that's how we get the, co- the crossover between the old generation and the new generation. I don't know, it was a Ghostbusters video game back in the day, back in the mid to late 90s. And that was kind of supposed to be the original, that was based on a, on a script that the original uh, writer, uh, the father, Reichman, wrote. And so uh, that script was used to do the video game. And so they got all the people to come back and do the voices for it. And so I know they just remastered that game a little while ago, but... Anyway, that's kind of my hopes. Uh, that's kind of my thoughts on the Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer. I really enjoy it. 
Uh, a lot of people are going off on it because they're saying, oh, well, people were so toxic toward the 2016 version. You can't, you don't get that, be toxic toward it and then get rewarded. And I'm kind of going, you do understand that different writers are writing this. You understand that different people are doing the movie. So it's a little bit different. So, you know, if a movie's good, it's good. Um, one of these days, I'm going to talk about kind of my feelings on the whole, you know, backlash to some extent of the female empowered movies uh, and really talk about how I don't understand why there's so much backlash. I mean, if a movie's good, it's going to surpass. Case in point, Aliens is awesome. Uh, I love supporting women Aliens. I love Linda Carter and Terminator. Um, you know, the original Charlie's Angels movies that we got with Cameron Diaz and Lucy Liu and Drew Barrymore. I love the charm they had. And it was nostalgic to the original. I loved Wonder Woman, what I just talked about a little bit ago, the trailer to that, and how much I love the original movie. Uh, a woman can be cast in a very powerful role in a film. And if it's done well, more than likely, I'm going to love that movie. Okay? I'm not going into a movie because a female lead is in it and going, oh my gosh, this is going to be horrible. No, that's never been my style at all. If a movie's good, more than likely I don't like it, unless it's just something outside my will. Like, I don't do a whole lot of horror movies at all. So, you could give me the, you could write the best female driven horror movie, and I'm probably not just going to watch it just because I don't watch horror movies. You know, the Black Widow movie that's coming out, that trailer dropped. And uh, we talked about that, you know, we talked about that show on the uh, last podcast. You know, that movie looks like it's going to be awesome. And so I really want to see how they do this movie. I want to see where they take this movie and where they lead us into the future with the Marvel, uh, with the MCU. As far as the movies going forward, uh, I believe we're definitely getting the introduction to the second Black Widow. and She's going to be our Black Widow going forward. And so I want to see how this movie does it. And so that's all to say. Um, we're going to go ahead and get out of this segment, roll into another commercial break, and then come right back with the last segment of the show. So I appreciate you. Continue to rock with us on this. And we'll see you just in a bit after these messages. We'll be right back. Hello, hello, and welcome back. Greatly appreciate you coming back for this last segment of the solo episode. So the rules for the game are kind of different with the solo episodes, and usually I'll talk about something in pop culture for the first couple of uh, segments. Yeah, whether it be trailers, whether it be new movies that are out that I've seen, or things like that. Then the last segment is usually going to be either books I've read or a movie that I saw that's a little bit older than the current pop culture minutia. So I wanted to share with you my experience with the movie Bumblebee. Uh, it took a bit. I'm a little late to the party. I know. But I think I picked it up on a Black Friday sale. And so I finally got a chance to sit down and watch the movie. And oh my gosh. Um, growing up, I loved the Transformers, the cartoon. Uh, when the animated movie came out, the Transformers, the movie... And I have to specify the animated movie because, of course, whenever you say Transformers the movie, a lot of people think of the Michael Bay movies. And while, you know, I understand they have their place, and if we hadn't gotten those movies, we wouldn't have gotten Bumblebee. But overall, I'm not a fan of the Michael Bay movies. That said, I loved Transformers, 
the animated series and animated movie that came out long before. Anyway, so the Transformers show was really popular for me as a kid. And so, of course, watching Bumblebee, I felt like I was taken back to a live action version of the show. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. The first probably 10 minutes worth of the movie when you have, you know, when you have the Autobots fighting the Decepticons on Cybertron and then, you know, Optimus Prime shows up and he's like, where's B-17? You know, and he's like fighting and he comes over and there's that famous moment where he kind of jumps up over and starts shooting and everything. And it kind of reminded me of the scene from Transformers, the movie where, you know, Optimus Prime looks out and he says, the Decepticons must be stopped no matter what. And he transforms into the truck, he drives in, and he transforms back into a robot. He's just flying over people, shooting people. It's it's beautiful uh, for the level of robot violence. But anyway, so Optimus Prime does this thing. He shoots out. He's, he's shooting everything and everything. So then all of a sudden, here comes Bumblebee. He's driving. He's shooting at stuff. Transforms, kicks down some Decepticons, lands in front of Prime. They're fighting. The sound wave shows up, shock wave shows up, star scream shows up. All these old school generation one transformers are showing up. It's just beautiful. It's just epic. I'm sitting there going like, I really wish I had watched this movie before now. But anyway, so Bumblebee the movie as a whole, beyond that first 10 minutes, uh, it was just a great movie. One of the things I loved about it was not only the actors and the cast, uh, like Haley Seinfeld, Steinfeld, you know, really kind of bringing the humanity to the role of this character who was a robot for all intents and purposes. And, you know, anything about special, if you know anything about special effects, you know, of course, Bumblebee more likely wasn't there for a lot of this stuff. So for them to have to act around a lot of, you know, balls, you know, hanging on wires and, or little, you know, hey, this is where his head's going to be. Put your hand here type things. It's really cool. And so the, you know, the, the uh, man, this is there's so many nods. For example, when you know when they crash on the planet, that's kind of a nod to their old school Michael Bay movies. So you know they crash in, you know, and they crash. What Bumblebee ends up crashing in all the military installation, where the soldiers who are led by John Cena, and if this isn't proof enough that Hasbro could actually get a GI Joe movie back off the ground with John Cena as your lead. Uh, I don't know what it is. Of course, Hasbro also owns G.I. Joe's. I don't see why they don't just push ahead with that idea. You know, you can bring back the guys from the old G.I. Joe movies if you want to, but John Cena needs to be your lead dude going forward. I think that would just be a cool crossover moment as well. Anyway, so, you know, Bumblebee crashes and, you know, all that stuff, and they're, like, going after him and all this. This is all that whole misunderstood alien situation. You know, alien crashes on planet. People, military, start shooting at him because the military has to get involved in everything in a lot of these movies. So, he, Bumblebee gets hurt really bad, gets wounded really bad. At one point, I believe it's either Starscream or Thundercracker. They never confirmed because it had the color scheme of Starscream, but I think somebody in the interview said it was actually a Thundercracker because if they did a sequel to it, they want to be able to bring Starscream back into the movies. Because, of course, he was second in command of the Megatron, who was not in this film, by the way. Which I find intriguing because of the way things ended in the movie. So, you know, they go through all this stuff, man. It's really neat. It's really cool. And 
Haley Seinfeld ends up finding this bug in the middle of a junkyard, says, hey, I want the bug. How much do you charge me for it? I'll work for you for a year. I'll scrub your dirty toilets. I'll do whatever. And then the guy just looks at her and says, nope, we're not hired. And so, of course, this has got a heartbreaking moment. And of course, it's her birthday that day. And so he looks at her and says, well, you know what? It's your birthday. Take the car. <laughs> and so, of course, you know, in one of the most, you know, and of course, it's her uncle that's doing it. So it's not like it's totally unrealistic that he wouldn't say, hey, you know, I'm never going to sell that piece of crap car. Take it with you type thing. So, but there's this whole moment. Of course, she's cleaning the car. She's trying to work on it and all this other stuff. And then Bumblebee transforms on her. And it starts this really beautiful movie where you've got this kind of friends. You know, Bumblebee kind of helps her realize that, you know, she needs to kind of come out of her shell that she's putting herself in. Because since her dad passed away, she just doesn't feel like she can do anything. She gives up on diving. You know, she's working on a car. She gives up on that. You know, she's got a family, but she's not really connecting with them because, you know, every time she sees the mom... She sees somebody that's kind of moved on outside of her dad, whereas she hasn't yet. And so it's really interesting how they use a robot to kind of help her deal with that. But the Bumblebee movie is just gorgeous. It's just great. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to go frame by frame or anything on this, but I think the heart of the Transformers property proper was very much represented. I mean, there's a point where Bumblebee is damaged, of course, and she's like, well, I think I can fix you. And when she fixes, she touches something, and they say, you know, here comes a little hologram of Optimus Prime, you know, jumping out, telling him, you know, that um, he has to protect Earth because eventually they're going to come to Earth. And if they don't protect Earth, if the Decepticons find out about Earth, they're going to come through. Uh, they had two awesomely cool, now I don't think these are characters that were in the Transformers lore prior, but they were two awesome characters that were like triple changers. But at one point, they came down to Earth and they transformed into a... Like, you see Cliff Jumper on Cybertron. They're fighting him later. And so they find out that he's on... Bumblebee's on Earth. And so they go to Earth. And then it's just like, okay, we're going to find this dude. And so, like, they go in and they scan these cars and their cars. And then halfway through the first little confrontation, they scan these airplanes and helicopters. So let's say, you know, they're triple changing. Because they're going from helicopter to... They're going basically from air to ground to robot. So I thought that was really awesome to see. And so by the time you get to the end of it, it's of course, you had a big robot fight, you know, and then even Haley Steinfeld gets involved. There was a dude in this movie that honestly didn't need to be there. I think they put him in there literally for comic relief and because you needed a human for her to kind of interact with that she might kind of like toward the end of the movie. But... You know, even at the end of the movie when, you know, he goes to try to hold her hand and she's like, you know, she kind of throws it off and says, we're not there yet. <laughs> and so, you know, I just, I don't, you know, like I said, I, don't, I didn't need him in the film, to be honest. They're, they're, like, he, like, I don't think the movie, he could have been completely out of the film and the movie would have started going the same way. He wasn't essential to the, to the movie. But anyway, Bumblebee was awesome. It was a great movie. If you have not seen it, go watch it. It's awesome. So... Hey, so we're at the end of this solo episode, and I just want to say to you, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening to this. I greatly appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the other two episodes that are prior. Uh, we're going to be back, I believe, on Sunday, getting ready to work on the next one. So I hope to see you guys soon on the lands, different places and everything. 
As always, you can follow me on Big Will Holland at YouTube. You can follow me at Will Holland 9973 on Twitter and Instagram as well. And above all else, guys, do me a favor. Be blessed. Be a blessing to somebody. Take care.